Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. But Pastor Brett and I have been close friends for many years, uh, and he's a dynamic communicator. Uh, he pastors um, a large church in Edmonton called Saints Church, and um, he, I believe he's a prophet, really, to uh, the nation of Canada. Um, he's got an apostolic call in his life. Uh, he's a very close friend of mine, and he sits as a spiritual oversight in our church. And so anytime we give the, the, the pulpit or the mic to a man of God like Brett, who has chosen to serve our church for four and a half years, um, I just want to make sure that we really revere and honor him by leaning in today. Come on, lean in today. Shout him down today. He loves to be interrupted during his sermon. He loves you to shout him down and yell at him and say how good it was. And I love it because trust me, he's going to give you enough to shout about, but it's going to be great today. So come on, would you put your hands together for Pastor Brett today? Come on, put your hands together. Come on today. This is, this is nice. I can't see you. This is bright, but uh, I just believe that you're there. And uh, I'm, I can hear you. I can hear you, Andrew Ling. I can hear you. Uh, and online, we can hear you too, uh, in spirit. But uh, hey, uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, my wife, uh, Desiree, I wish she could be here, but she's preaching at home. And uh, we just love your pastors. And we love your church so much. And um, it's been an honor to just journey and do life together and follow Jesus together. And, and I so believe in the destiny and direction of Love City Church. I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that, that, that you might even feel like there might be some, I, I don't know how it could get any better than this. And I think the Lord is just going to increase uh, your understanding of what it is uh, to reach people and to love people. Because I think this is a critical season in this season of the church because there's this sweet spot that's happening right now where you know people and you love people and you connect and you can go deep. And there might even be a lingering fear that we're going to lose something. But can I just encourage you that the, that the goal of any local church is to point people towards Jesus. And you don't lose something when you add somebody to the family. I mean, hey, when, you, uh, when there's a baby in your family, did you, do you feel like you're losing? I mean, you're losing sleep. But let's say you're a proud aunt or uncle. You're not losing something. You're adding something to the mix. And so we kind of got to shift our mentality that we're going to lose something when God adds. No, no. He's going to add and he's going to multiply and he's going to expand. And it's just going to be more, 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 more. So here's what I want to do. I want us to focus us on Jesus this morning. Okay. Uh, now, this is going to sound crazy to you, but this is actually the second part of, my, of, a, of a message that I spoke to you last February. Okay. Now you're like, I don't even know that how you could do that. I could do that. It's just, it's not actually me as much as it's the Holy Spirit. And he reminded me um, just as I was praying and preparing of some of the things that I shared. And so we're going to, and if you missed that, just hit the online archive, wherever that's found, and uh, you can find that. Um, but I want us to focus on the person of Jesus. And I want us to reflect for a moment just on who he is. This is Colossians 1. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Colossians 1.15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme 
over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. In the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. We'll just pause there for a moment. He holds all creation together. Don't you think that if Jesus Christ has the power and the ability to hold all of creation together, that he has the ability to hold you together in the season? That Jesus has the ability to hold your family together in this season? That he has the ability uh, to hold your church together in the season? Don't you think that Jesus, who is the visible image of the invisible God who is the supreme over everything in the universe who spoke it into existence not only did he speak it but it was created in him in him through him by him and for him don't you think that Jesus knows what he's doing and he has the ability to hold it all together so you might be saying I'm just holding it together you have the wrong mindset you're not holding it together Jesus is holding it together Jesus is holding it together. If you feel like you're weak, if you feel like you're weary, if you feel like you're tired, if you feel like you're broken, you feel like you're exhausted, you feel like you've had enough, then cast your cares. And you know what it says in 1 Peter? Cast your anxieties on Jesus. We cast it on Jesus. He's the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. So you have a great lead pastor, but you have an incredible senior pastor. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. I guess that's our question today, is he? For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself, and he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And I didn't include this, but I'm going to keep going. It says, this includes you, verse 21. This includes you. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. You. <laughs> Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Come on. You who were once far away, you who were once his enemy. Romans 5 says that Jesus came at just the right time when we were utterly helpless. And he came and he gave his life for us while we were still his enemies. Yeah. Colossians 1 confirms that word. While we were far away, while we were still his enemies, Jesus gave his life to be reconciled uh, for us. So we could now boldly, it says in Hebrews, come into his presence. Amen. That I could boldly come near to him. So now we gather together in this way in church to lift up the name of Jesus and we can boldly draw near to him because of what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us. And sometimes we leave Jesus with what he's done for us and we forget the what he continues to do for us part. For you're being transformed into his image day by day. If you go all the way back to creation, you would discover that all humanity was created in the image of God. So the idea of this journey, when we invite Jesus into our life, it's not, he's not an add-on. Right? Like, we don't just add them to our schedule. 
we surrender our life to Him. And when we give Him everything, He comes in and He transforms us and we look more and more like Him every day. Now, society would tell you, well, no, that's not right because then I'm going to lose me. No. You see, Imago Dei, meaning you're an image bearer of God, you're created in His image. The more that you look like Jesus the more you look like the person you were created to be, right? So he is going to draw this out of you. As you draw near to him, he's going to draw the best out of you. Why? Because he put it there. He handcrafted, created you. He, he put you together in your mother's womb, right? Psalm 139, like <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 describes you as his masterpiece. Deuteronomy 32, it says that you're his special possession. Uh, not so long ago, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I, we do these things with my sons. I have two boys, Kingston and Everett. Kingston's six, Everett's nine, and we do daddy dates. Anyone do that? You're going to go hang out. And uh, so the way it works in our house is our boys, they have this whole list of all the activities that we'll get to do together. They get to pick. So they get to pick one thing off their list, and we do it. And so my son picked, we're going to go to West Evans tomorrow. I was like, awesome. <laughs> and we're going to go to Build-A-Bear. Great. <laughs> And so we walked through the mall, and he wanted booster juice. So booster juice and Build-A-Bear. Um, and so we get there, and he's picking out his puppy and his animal. And it's getting stuffed, and they're trying to upsell me with the heart and all these things. It's like everything's an upsell. Everything is an upsell, you know? It's like, they're like, well, you could get this box. Or I guess this one, you know? It's like, he's six. What do you think he's going to pick? Um, Nothing. I said no. Uh, come on, parents. You have the authority here. Uh, Jesus is the supreme. Anyways. And so we go, and they, they put it in a little box. I don't know if you've been there, but they got this little doghouse box. And if you could have seen his face as he was walking through the mall, he's carrying this little dog, and he's just like beaming, you know, smile going from ear to ear. And he's like, man, like, there's just like, he just, he's just got that presence. It just lights up the whole, I mean, I'm biased, but I think he's just lighting up the mall as he walks. And he's got that look that says, come on, this is, this is my special thing. And this is something that I got to do with my dad. And you know what? That's the way that Jesus looks at you. He says, this is my special possession. This is my special thing. And this is something that I get to do with my dad. And that's how he looks at you. That's how he sees you. It's how he sees you, as a valued and treasured thing that he gets to do life with, and not just a thing, a person with personality. And when he looks at you, he sees everything that he placed inside of you. And so you're on a journey right now, and you're on a journey of him extracting the gold that he has placed in your life. He's extracting the gold that he's put inside of you. And sometimes... Sometimes he does that through the good times. And sometimes we learn lessons through not so good times. So I'm reminded of Hebrews 10 where it says, patience endurance is what you need now. Patient endurance is what you need now. And there's a tendency for you to say, God, where, why have you forsaken me? And he says, I haven't forsaken you. I'm drawing the gold out right now. Would you trust me? Would you trust me? Would you trust me? Come on, that's, that's who we're following. That's who we give our life for. That's, 
why we gather here. That's why we sing. That's why we serve. It's why we give. So we could point people like a giant neon sign towards Jesus saying, you know, he changed my life. He gave me everything. He gave me hope. He gave me joy. He gave me victory. He's put, he's holding me together. If it looks like I've got it together, I don't have it together. I have Jesus. He's holding it together. Uh, Can we focus our attention? We're going to just jump over to Mark chapter five. We'll do our best to make our way through a lot of it. (laughs) A good chunk. And if we don't we don't you know that's just how it goes um mark then i'll then i'll come back and speak the third part of yeah mark chapter five we'll we'll probably start at verse 21 but i just i have to start us with a question before we dive into the text we've now focused our eyes entirely on jesus we understand who he is how he looks at us and in mark chapter five there's a few occurrences that happen. We'll get there in a moment, but I just, I guess I have to ask you this question. When you come to church or when you gather together in this way or when you pray something at home or around the dinner table or here or at a prayer meeting, what are you expecting? What are you expecting? When you come and you lift up the name of Jesus, what are you expecting? When you shout real good at a guest preacher, what are you expecting? When you showed up here on a Sunday morning, what are you expecting? Like life as, as, as normal? Is this just the program? Is this what we do? Is this a part of the routine? Or what is your expectation level? What are you expecting today? This is Mark 5, verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader at the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Come on, that's a desperate person. That's a desperate man that says, my daughter is sick. I need you to come to me right now. Now, Jesus was a Jairus was a faithful leader in the local synagogue. He was a lot like most of us here. Because he was a leader in the synagogue, he probably led a team. He was probably first in, last out. He was in load in. He tore everything down. He cleaned everything up. He was a leader in the synagogue. Now, here's what's interesting. When you're a leader in a synagogue, though he might not have been a priest, he is a respected leader. There is a responsibility on a leader in a synagogue to protect the theology and to protect the house. And so part of the protecting of the house is to evaluate the claims of those who want to be a Messiah. This was a part of the Jewish faith, right? So as a leader in the synagogue, you're you're essentially a skeptic by nature. Like, let's be honest. If you're someone who really cares, then you're going to measure all the things that happen here, and you're going to make sure that they're in line with the word, and you're going to make sure, and and you're going to guard because your heart is here, and you care about it. So Jairus is somebody who cares about the local synagogue. He cares about the fidelity and the truth and the, the excellence of Scripture, particularly the Torah. He cares about all those things. And so when there's a rumor that there's a guy named Jesus who's most likely the Messiah, he's probably coming in skeptical. But how many know that your desperation can change uh, how skeptical you are about a situation? And so all of a sudden his daughter is sick and he's like, hold on. Here's my question. Who told Jaira that Jesus could handle this situation? Who, who told Jairus? 
Who told him? Who had the courage to go and tell the skeptic, hey, listen, this is a bad situation, but it doesn't have to end this way. Who, who told him? Who, to, who told him about, listen, miracle after miracle, Jesus has done this and he's done this. You, you probably want to go find this guy. Who told him? Who had the courage to say, hey, like, I know that this might not be exactly where you're at, but I need to let you know that Jesus changes everything. Who told him? So Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. Now a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Come on, that's desperation. Every specialist, every appointment, every treatment, your entire life savings, and you're not getting better, you're getting worse. On top of that, you live in a culture where if you bleed in that way, you are unclean. So if anyone touches you, they have to go through a ritual, ritualistic washing process, a cleansing process that can take seven days. When you enter a public square, you have to yell. I mean, we kind of know something about this right now. Unclean, unclean, unclean. Come on, you have to do that, right? Like, it's not the same though. I don't know where your head went, but it's not the same. But any physical touch that comes into her life, that person has to wash themselves and and go into isolation and quarantine for seven days. Physical touch. When was the last time you went without physical touch for over a decade? Someone that could just say, I love you. She had heard about Jesus. Who told her? Who told her? Which friend had the courage to say, hey, there's this guy named Jesus, and I know that you've got no answers, and I know you don't want to go see one more person. Come on, have you ever been there? I don't want to go see one more person. Maybe you're even dealing with it in the natural right now, and you'd say, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to go up for prayer. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to have somebody. I've been there. I've done that. Somebody's prayed for me before. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. I've done, in fact, I've gotten worse. My friends, can I tell you, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. I'm just wondering what you're expecting today. I'm not expecting to come and sing some songs and, and just see some nice faces and see some smiles and just be encouraged and go home. The truth is you could do that at home. You can do that online. You could do that on, on TV. Like you can do that by watching your favorite team win. You know, like you just get encouraged. You feel, I don't know about you. I feel better when my teams win. Like I, so I'm, then I'm encouraged and I feel good. The truth is we didn't come here to get encouraged. We came here to encounter the visible image of the invisible God. His name is Jesus. When Jesus enters the scenario, everything changes and anything is possible. Not because of anything that I've done, but because he holds the universe together and he's holding you together and he's going to put the broken pieces back together. I'm just wondering what you're expecting today. So she'd heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. And I'm like, oh, 
Like we've romanticized this story. Do you know why she came up behind him and touched his robe in the midst of a busy crowd? Let me first of all set the stage. She's supposed to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. She ain't doing that. She's a ninja. She's making her way through the crowd. Her elbows are out. Everybody's unclean at this party. She's just making her way through. She's sneaking up. She's like, nothing's going to stop me. There's no rule. There's no barrier. There's nothing that's going to stop me from getting to Jesus. But she couldn't even make eye contact with him because the shame and her whole life is so overwhelming that she doesn't look at people because they don't want to look at her. She's unclean. She's filthy. She's something that you got to keep your distance from. So she sneaks out behind him because she has no confidence in who she is. She doesn't understand she's a special possession, that she was handcrafted, created. She has no idea that she's a masterpiece made by Jesus, knit together in her mother's womb. She has no All she knows is that she is nothing. She is gross. She is disgusting. And she is, as she declares over her life every day, she declares herself to be unclean. I just wonder who in this room has declared themselves to be unclean, declared themselves to be unapproachable. You've declared over yourself that you are unhealable, that you are unsalvageable, that you are not worthy. I'm just wondering who's here today that would say, you know what? I don't know that. I think I'm too far gone. My friends, you think Jesus came for the good version of you? While we were still, while we were utterly helpless, while we were his enemies, Jesus came, it says in Romans 5, at just the right time for the worst ugly part of you. And you've got one. It's filthy. It's nasty. I know because I have one too. Everybody does. The question is, are you willing to admit it? You know, Jesus says <laughs> healthy people need a do- don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I'm just willing to admit that I'm sick and I'm in need of Jesus. That all of us have, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That there's this glorious sin that we can't live up to. We never could, we never can, we never will. Now we're going to be transformed day by day. So she just thinks to herself, if I can just tuck his robe, I will be healed. And guess what? Immediately. Not like later. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus, now I don't, I don't understand this part. Jesus realized that once the healing power had gone out from him. He turned around in any row, in any, around the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples agitated as usual. <laughs> Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Come on. She was healed in that moment when she reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And there's some of you that would say, you know what? It feels like my life is bleeding. My life is bleeding all over. You feel like you're walking and you just got like a blood trail all around you. You've got relationships that are broken. You've got uh, your marriage is crumbling. You've got the job scene is just out of control. you like, I'm, I'm bleeding all over. How do I stop the bleeding? Jesus says, would you just reach out and touch him in my garment, you might not see that you're worthy, but you are loved and you are chosen. Would you just reach out and grab hold of me? That's how you're going to stop the bleeding. That's how you're going to stop the bleeding. 
while he was speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus. Right! Anyone else forget about Jairus? We got so excited about this woman with the issue of blood. So Jairus is, has a, a child who's dying. And they're walking in this giant crowd. And there's all these people crowded around. And if you've been to a Flames game or something. And you try and get out of an arena. And everyone's in the concourse at the same time. The crowd does not move very fast. Right? So they're all walking at this speed. And like, I, if I'm Jairus, I'm like, let's go! <laughs> My daughter's dying. Guys, is, like ambulance, anyone. Like make a path. Make like... Ma'am, I'm so happy that you're done bleeding, but my daughter is dying. Let's go. Now, like, I don't know about you, but like when I get in the car and like when Brendan and I uh, were driving up here, we put in Apple Maps. Now, subconsciously, here's what's going to do. I'm going to beat that time. Right? Like, I'm just, I'm, this is, I, I'm going to beat it. Like, we're just going to beat it. And I'm going to shave some minutes off. And I'm going to be really proud. And, and then, like, I don't know about you, but sometimes you get into traffic and you're going to beat it. And you're like... There's something that comes over you in a different way. Like, you could be having a great day, and then all of a sudden, you're looking at the time, and you're looking at this car in front of you, like, what are you doing? And you're like, ma'am, I'm sure you're kind. Get out of my way. You know what I'm saying? And so Jairus is like, he's not having it. He's like, it's so nice that you're having this nice miracle moment. Can we keep moving? My daughter is dying. You forgot about her, but I didn't forget about her. My friend, Jesus didn't forget about you. It might seem like everything else around you is coming together and everything else is working and everything's going on time, in real time. He didn't forget about you. Come on, there's a timing of the Lord. And here's the thing. Jesus ain't in a hurry. We're on Jesus' time now. My mom has this thing growing up. I'm, I'm troubled because of it called minus time so like if we're running late she would then start telling you that we're in minus time so if like we're five minutes late we're 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 minus five we are in minus and so we had to do everything in our power this is why i try and be google maybe to to get back into like positive time we're in minus time now the reality is we need to learn how to live on jesus time that we have our plans and purposes and schedules and oftentimes we then have our own expectations and assumptions based upon our own schedules and our own plans and our own intentions and our own desires. But the truth is, you set Jesus up to live according to your expectations and assumptions, and he's just asking that you live according to his. So we can live according to Jesus' time, but he didn't forget about you. He just has a different sense of timing and rhythm. So this messenger arrives. They told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. Can you imagine that? Come on, who told you that? Who told you that there was no hope? But Jesus overheard them and he said, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And I'm here to say to you, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd. He stopped them. And he wouldn't let them anyone go with him except for Peter, James, and John. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the, the commotion and weeping and wailing, and he went inside and he asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And this is what happens. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. But the truth is, most of us, when we hear the crowd laughing, even when we're walking in with Jesus, we have the confidence of the promise and the word. We listen to the laughter more than we listen to the, the reassuring voice of Jesus. 
Who are you listening to? Who are you letting stay? Whose voice do you turn the volume all the way up on? And who do you need to hit mute on? We made him leave. He took the girl's father and mother and three disciples into the room where she was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kayum, which means little girl, get up. The girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed. Come on. If you're a parent, you're overwhelmed. You're weeping. You're nasty crying. It's ugly. Your mascara's running. Mine too. Totally amazed. <laughs> Jesus gave him some strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told him to give her something to eat. What are you expecting when you come to encounter Jesus? What are you expecting is possible as a family of faith, as a community of faith, as those who are following Jesus? What's your expectation? Don't you know that he's the visible image of the invisible God, supreme authority over the things that we can see and the things that he can't see and that things are made through him, by him, for him? And that if he knows, if he's spoken into existence, that he knows how to work, so he knows how to use the system. He knows how to use the grass and the seed to create some more grass in Ryan's backyard. He knows how to make it all come together. He knows how to use it at just the right time, at just the right moment. He doesn't need your fertilizer. He's got it. He's taking care of it. Just at just the right time, at just the right moment. What are you expecting when you gather here in this place? Now, I need to just show you one thing quickly. Do we have a moment for that? Are you with me still? I'm going to just throw you back to Revelation, and you might be triggered by that, but it's okay. You need to hang out there a little bit more. I'm sure Pastor Ryan shared some things from Dr. Dale Johnson, and Dr. Dale Johnson uh, is one of the kindest, sweetest, most brilliant people I've ever met in my life. Um, Incredible scholar, teacher, theologian, and he would tell us that he uses the chiastic method to understand the book of Revelation. I don't have time to get into that. I'm sure you can learn more about it, but that he would say the gospel center of the book of Revelation is found in Revelation 12. The gospel center. The central discipleship text, if you would, is found right here in Revelation 12, verse 11. And they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, that's what Jesus has done. And, and we don't like this part, by the way, and by the word of their testimony, And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb what Jesus has done, what Jesus did on the cross, what Jesus wants to do for you, what he's done for you, and what he's going to do through you and all around you. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's what Jesus did to make us right. It's, it's, It's what he's done. But by the word, let's just leave that up there. And by the word of their testimony. Now, we don't have time, but Acts 1.8 would say that, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's a legal term that you're going to testify. You don't testify unless you're compelled. It means like on the stand, swear an oath. I'm going to tell you that the things that I saw are true. We are called to testify. We are called to bear witness. Bear witness to the things that Jesus has done. Bear witness to the things that Jesus is doing right now. Bear witness to the things that he's doing in your life. Bear witness to the things that he's about to do in your life. It's our mission. It's our goal. It's our responsibility. Now, these are the words of Jesus ascending into heaven. We pay attention when our hero speaks at the end of the movie. 
you'll be my witnesses. The implication being you're going to see things. You're going to see things that you never thought possible. And you're just going to tell them, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. Your testimony, your story changes everything. How do I know that? I showed this to you last time. I'm going to show it to you again. And since I showed it to you last time, something else popped out to me. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to start at the end and back it up. We'll start at 6.56. No, I'm going to start at 53. Mark 6.53. This is just one page over where we were, depending on your Bible. After they crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out, and the people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Because there's word got out. Jesus changes everything. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, doesn't matter the demographic, doesn't matter the location, doesn't matter. People came. They brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Come on, that's the power of testimony. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That story got out about that woman. That story got out about the woman with the issue of blood and what happened. It changed the way that people approached Jesus. They heard of the report and now people started going, I'm just going to reach out and all I have to do and they would find their healing. But here's what I missed and here's what we need to be reminded of. And they ran throughout the whole area carrying sick people on mats. If you go back to the beginning of Mark, you find this account where four friends brought their paralytic friend on a mat and they showed up to where Jesus was teaching. And there was no room. They couldn't get in. So what do they do? They climb up on the roof. They cut a giant hole in the roof, file an insurance claim, drop him down in front, and Jesus heals him in a moment. Two instances, two stories, two reports, and it changed the way that people approach Jesus. Why? It raised their faith level. Man, it happened for them. It can happen for me. So what do people start doing? Hey, those four friends had the faith to get their friend on a mat. I'm getting my friend on a mat. Man, that lady had the courage to make us all unclean and touch Jesus' robe. I'm doing that. Come on, what's the thing that Jesus has done in your life that you're too ashamed of that's actually the key to somebody else's freedom? Now, I need to tell you this. This story, this account, this historical record of the woman with the issue of blood was woven into our church messages for like three weeks we didn't plan it every we had different communicators everyone was speaking different things and it just kept reoccurring we had a lady who's going to come to church and she was actually planning on not coming to our church that sunday she's planning to go to another church but she felt like the lord was telling her that her healing was coming and she's supposed to pursue her healing she had an issue of blood so she shows up redirected by circumstances and events to come to our church service I'm reading this passage and she's sitting there going no way no way no way and I did something that I don't normally do we just threw open the altars in the middle of the service and I said I believe that you're here to get healed today that somebody here is going to get that Jesus changes everything I, I honestly I did a generic altar call the same thing that I would say to you is I believe and by generic I mean Jesus can change everything And she comes forward and she prays with my wife and she's healed of an issue of blood. 
the same instance, the same thing. If you don't think that Jesus cares about you and he thinks about the small details enough to line it up for three, three weeks in a row that he's speaking to you through messages and it's interwoven and he's building faith in your heart and then he puts this impression on her heart and redirects your family plan and schedule because it wasn't just her. It was her whole extended family that showed up and she walks in and, and then all of a sudden it starts speaking and I could have been speaking to anybody but it was speaking to her because Jesus was speaking to her and all of a sudden <laughs> she comes up and she gets healed in a moment. Come on, I'm just wondering what you're expecting today. I'm just wondering who you're following. Now, let's put it all together and land the plane because the team is here. Have you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? Let me remind you. Matthew 28, verse 18, then Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. You can't make disciples if you don't tell them about Jesus. You want to go deeper, you got to go wider. You will hit a cap in your spiritual journey if it's about you. Because you didn't get saved. Ah, you didn't get saved for you. I mean, he loved you and he's got a personal relationship with you. But he strategically is now placing you in a neighborhood, in a job, in a career, in an office so that he can use you and, and impact people. And you're like, I'm feeling stale. Well, Psalm 51 says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. There's no better way to have your joy restored than by seeing out someone else be healed, transformed, and set free. And can I just tell you, if it's good enough for you, isn't it good enough for them? Yeah. I mean, you tell everybody about your new phone. Right? This changed my life. You ever said that? Just me? This phone changed my life. No, Jesus changed my life. And I'm going to tell you how. Come on, let's stand. Lord, we just love you. And we thank you for, what a reminder, God. And Lord, that you pulled us out of the thick, Lord, out of the deep. And you set our feet upon a rock. And God, we pray today that your spirit would, Father, just lead us and, and Lord, lead us to share our faith. To tell our story. And Lord, that we can share, Lord, with people. And Lord, we don't know what our story is going to do. We don't know what uh, that message is going to do for someone's life. But Father, we pray that it would bring healing and transformation in their life, God, and they would be added to the house of the Lord, and they, their whole lives would be transformed because of the stories that we share from our lives. God, we love you. We thank you, Father, for who you are and what you do in our life. Come on, just every eye closed in this place today. Come on, you're here, and maybe you're that woman with the issue of blood, and you're far from God today, and you just need God to come right now and minister to your life and your heart. Come on, if you're watching online, you're in the room today, and you just need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ today. You'd like to start a personal relationship with Him. Come on, with every eye closed here, just put your hand in the air real quick. Let me see your hand real quick, just so we can pray with you today.
come on, I won't call you forward, but I just want to make sure we give everyone an opportunity to give their life to Jesus today. Come on, Lord, we love you. We thank you for today, God. We thank you, God, that you are with us, God, and that you're leading us on our journey with you. And we love you with all of our hearts today. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, come on, everybody said amen. Come on, if you gave your life to Jesus today or online, you gave your life to Christ today, come on, you can email us at info at lovecitychurch.ca. And there should be a slide about how to text us too. It'll pop up in a second here. But come on, we love you guys. Have an amazing, amazing day today. And we will see you this next Sunday as we start our gifted series. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.